We might not be back. I might be in jail. I might be anywhere. But when I leave, you remember I said with the last words on my lips that I am a revolutionary. And you're going to have to keep on saying that. You're going to have to say that I am a proletarian. I am the people. I'm not the pig. You've got to make a distinction. And the people are going to have to attack the pig. The people are going to have to stand up against the pig. That's what the pastors are doing. That's what the pastors are doing all over the world. I'm a bird with broken wings I left the nest destined for the pedestal of kings Only to be told that I couldn't fly sing Without a head start giving to my counterparts I'm always behind Searching for a place in the world that's never mine God made my skin bronze When will I ever shine? That's law and order for you An attempt on my life No liberty for me I'm guilty on sight What have I ever done to be born with this mark That my mother said was beautiful It tore me apart I even became a number a document statistic, a ward of the state that made me independent Emancipated with the proclamation of a felon Cause our word is bond, you might suffer if you tell him You have to understand the concept but no snitching It's like telling master them boys running for the fences Welcome to another episode of Revolutionary Tracks. I am going to be Marcus today, but I am Karthik, of course, and Marcus is with us. Uh, Sunya's uh, shout-out the, among the listeners. I hope you uh, stick around for a while and enjoy the show. We have a pretty great guest, um, a friend of show for a long time. Uh, but before that, uh, Marcus, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Um, just uh, chilling. Like Friday night episode kicking off the weekend so uh and, and very excited to have a one so um doing all right doing good and like yeah what what better uh music to chill with than uh a ones because uh i feel like there's something about a one's voice that's just like the most calming uh of all like voices that i think are probably out right now because like it's just like it's so relaxing yet it can pump you up uh it's a very interesting mix of uh both energy and like uh, just a calm demeanor. Uh, but uh, yeah, Awan is a jazz rapper and uh, the the founder and the head of uh, Don't Sleep Records um, is an independent artist who um, has uh, hundreds of thousands of plays on Spotify, uh, hundreds of thousands of mo- monthly listeners and, and stuff like that. And, like um, if you check out his videos on YouTube, uh, the the kind of plays that uh, A1 brings into the brings to the table you think that uh he's backed by like a huge label or something but no it's just uh independent artist doing doing the thing on his own uh small crew uh very 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 talented crew so A1 pleasure to have you on how you doing hey man how y'all doing thank you i'm doing great man i'm glad to be here it's an honor uh we played uh we started off the show with a clip from uh, your track falling um and the reason i wanted to start with that track is like it kind of almost uh is autobiographical and it and it almost like states your mission statement uh right up front and it's from your nothing less album which is the the most recent full length album you've had some singles out we're going to play that too uh, a little later uh but before we get into specifically talking about your music um 
because I kind of wanted to play uh, Fallen because uh, we want to hear a little bit about your background, your story, how you t- t- took up the form, took up hip hop, and uh, how you uh, how you got into it, um, what your life has been like before. You speak about like uh, you know being a felon and stuff like that too. Uh, so feel free to get into whatever de- de- detail depth you want to get into uh, about your life. Um, you know, hip hop for me is just attributed to New York City. Um, you know, I was born in New York City in Brooklyn, and just my neighborhood, Fort Greene, was like a, a epicenter of culture at the time. Um, and I'm just one of the products of being at the right place at the right time, surrounded by the right people. Um, you know, I contribute a lot of my um, hip hop sensibility to my uncles, my aunts, and including my parents, just because of the proximity that I was to the culture and the proximity to their friends who happened to be, you know, emerging artists at the time, um, really helped mold me and help hone me into wanting to participate in the culture. Um, you know, most people think about hip-hop as just the music, but hip-hop is the culture, and it's constantly evolving. It's a young culture. Um, you know, this is born out of the, the late baby boomers and, you know, Generation X and on further on into the millennials. You know, I'm one of them late, late, very late Generation Xs. Like, you know, I always tell people I was too young to be, like, really famous and I'm kind of too old to be really famous. You know, I was just in that weird category, but um, it, it helped give me... Uh, um appreciation and the gratitude for this culture and this way of life so i don't even think about you know hip-hop it's just my music that i make it's just who i am you know what i'm saying and um you know it just came from my surroundings so everything that i i I do and everything about my art form is from you know new york city because don't sleep records and the music that i make is born out of nostalgia you know what i'm saying it's no different than um Nirvana and how Nirvana came on the scene and they, you know, shook up the music industry with a form of alternative rock that mirrored a little bit of classic rock, a little bit of punk rock, and it had a lot of energy. It was urgent. You know what I'm saying? I I feel the same way about, you know, what I'm doing. It's just nostalgia. It sounds familiar. It sounds like something that is supposed to be, but it's also new at the same time. And it has a little bit of urgency um, you know what I'm saying? A little bit of politics into it. And it's just, you know, based on my experiences, because, you know, experience is life's best teacher. You know what I'm saying? So that's just who I am. You know, everything is born out of, you know, um, I guess you could say post or, or pre uh, Bloomberg, New York City. <laughs> and uh, something you mentioned in, in- um, and where you're coming from, and also like so part of the your, your uh, record label is is family, you know. And so you, you talked about um, <laughs> that sound like Vin Diesel, uh, but you talk about how you know you had aunts and uncles in the music industry as well. Um, but you know you also work with your your wife <laughs> in you know who's, who's a rapper as well in the, in the label. Um, so I guess, and not just like family, but can you just talk about community? Um, what and how, like, like the community around you has allowed you to be an artist, and but also as well just be around, like, like you said, like, a little bit of culture and like a community. It's a movement. 
Um, so yeah, can you just talk about, I guess, that, your community that you built uh, around hip hop? Yeah, so, you know, um, you meet people, people inspire you. You know, um, when I met my wife, Tiff the Gift, you know, way back in um, 2004, early 2004, may have been late 2003, um, we met through through music, you know, I heard her rap and I was just in awe, you know what I mean? And um, our first date wasn't a real date. We went to the studio, we recorded, you know, music and we just maintained the friendship. It wasn't nothing romantic, it was strictly plutonic, it was about music and our relationship just evolved over the years. And um, that's how everybody in the crew kind of... Um, came into the fold just because I was inspired by something that they did, inspired by their music, inspired by their art. It's no different than, you know, cats meeting at the writer's bench and sharing their black books and then going to do a piece together. You know what I'm saying? Based because they inspired by something they see. I just happened to be inspired by something that I heard. You know, it's no different than, you know, Warhol, Basquiat and Keith Haring kind of hanging out with each other in, in that era of art, you know what I'm saying? Like they were inspired by each other and they kind of flocked together. And I think that in this specific subgenre of music, everybody that I'm affiliated with, everybody that I work with, um, I respect them. I respect what they're doing and I'm inspired by what they're doing because they add on, you know what I'm saying? And um, you gotta come up with people, you know what I mean? There's always a class of artists and the artists of now, that are within this subgenre, whether you call it underground or jazz rap, um, we all kind of add on and complement one another um, in that way. So, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. It takes a whole generation to um, create a movement and, and to make something that lasts. So it, there's nothing without community. There's nothing without people coming together. You can't really build anything without anyone else. You know what I'm saying? Nothing happens independently on your own. You could say, yeah, I'm independent, I'm self-made, but there are people that's going to help you along the way. And um, that's, that's just the way that I view things. You know what I'm saying? Through, through that lens. Because I don't even care if you're on the streets, if you're on the block, you got a crew. You know what I'm saying? If you're doing things that are wrong, if you're doing things that are, are not correct and on the wrong side of the law, you still have people that are by your side that hold you accountable and that add on to whatever you're doing. So, um, you know, I think that community is just part of what our culture really is, because, again, hip hop is not something we do is how we live it's a way of life the music is just a byproduct of the way of life in the culture you know what i'm saying um we we just way too far removed from understanding that it's not just the music this is just who we are you know what i'm saying yeah do you think there's anything inherent to hip-hop uh as far as like the emphasis on having like a community or like you said a crew you know, because that's something that we see in, you know, <laughs> all iterations where that uh, that group, that center group within the label, you know, or, you know, whatever crew is like is is, is a little bit more uh, shown, a little bit more uh, emphasized than like in other types of music. Do you think do you see that with hip hop or? Um, yeah, I don't know. What's your take on that? 
Um, I think that hip hop has a, a, a bond that with artists and with people that participate in it to where it's like a pack because people, human beings by nature, um, always roll in packs, whether you're talking about your nuclear family or whether you're talking about the guys that you play football or, you know, little league with everybody is always with a pack of people that they have like-minded, um, interest or things in common with, or a certain skill set because, you know, uh, Steel sharp and steel, iron sharp and iron, you know, however you want to put it. And I think that's just the way that hip hop started with this inception in 1973. It didn't start with just one guy because we always go to the Godfather Cool Hurt, but we never can forget that Coke Rock was right there cheering him on. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's always somebody else in the, into the fold that makes it happen. You know, we talk about these legendary crews the b-boy crews like rock steady you know what i'm saying all these things even our earliest depictions of hip-hop when we look at beat street or you know breaking or you know star wars or everything it's never about one guy it was always about this crew here and there so i think that it's just our natural instinct to to click up together because um strength are in numbers you know what i'm saying and and that's how I always viewed things. We would have strength in numbers and, you know, we can hold each other accountable and make each other better if we do it together. Um, and that's kind of been the model for the past 40 years or 50 years, actually, next year, you know. So 50 years we've been doing this this way. And I don't think that's going to change. I just think that the the music, the, the art form, the dance, um, all of those the elements will evolve, you know, because that's what we do as human beings. We evolve. But the idea and the, the, the structure, the, the foundation, that's never going to change. You know, you, you touched on a pretty great point, uh, especially with the, with the concept of uh, self-made and how it's like uh, an industry abused term uh, where like people who. I mean, they, they, it's, it's thrown around like it doesn't mean anything at all. And people who um, never really, you know, it, it's first of all, they, they always had a crew, uh, gr- a group of people diligently working together. And like uh, most hip hop artists, most rappers are nothing without the guys who make beats for them, uh, the guys who promote their music and like their label and everything. So uh, the concept of self-made, self-made itself is like a very dubious one. Uh, but you kind of like uh, also emphasize, as we uh, saw in the in the song clip, uh, that you are an independent artist, and that means a lot to you. It also comes from your ethos of like you know uh, what what gives you a sense of fulfillment. So can you speak a little bit about this whole like the con the con- contrast between like people who proclaim themselves to be self-made and like how that is not exactly self-made, and how you are by contrast an independent artist, and why that means so much to you. Independence means everything to me because um, it's it's about your your path. It's about the road that you travel, you know. And um, when I view what it it means to be an independent artist, it's basically not about doing things yourself. It's about doing things the way that you wanted to do them without compromising um, your art, you know. So giving people the rawest form of art that I possibly can give them is more valuable to me than, um, you know, doing something by myself. 
I, I, I just believe in creating the, the rawest form of art that I possibly can create and not compromising that. So that's why the independent thing means so much to me um, in the grand scheme of making music. Um, you know, because when someone else invests money into you or someone else invests time into you, they have a say in to your art. They have, um, you know, a little bit of leverage over you in terms of what it is that you're doing, how you're doing it, why you're doing it a certain way. And that's something that I just never believed in. Um, you know, I always believed that the art form should be as pure as it possibly can without too many people um, putting their energy into it. Because at that point, what happens is others are imposing their will, you know, on you, you know, as the artist. And um, then it's not pure. It's not authentic anymore. And that's what I mean. And that's why I think independence is important, especially and specifically for hip hop. Um, you know, those our predecessors in the genre were able to create freely because the corporate executives didn't know how to manipulate. They didn't understand how to monetize it. So those OGs had a lot of freedom. They might have had bad contracts, but they still had complete creative control because there was nobody in the office saying you have to do this this way. Fast forward to the rise of gangster rap, mafioso rap, or more commercial products and byproducts of the, of the genre. Now we're starting to veer off into, well, now we know how to make a commercial product. Now we're gonna impose our will because we know what makes money. We have the data. We have the, 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 the analytics. We have all of this information because now they're 10, 15 years in. You know what I'm saying? So at that point, it's only, it's only right for them to say, let's make a bigger return on our investment and replicate and keep replicating and um, eventually dilute the product so that we can push it out further towards the masses. Um, I'm, and for me, I'm fine with making my music for a select group of people that want to hear what I'm doing. I'm fine with that. I don't have to dilute the, the product in order to reach this one, that one, or, you know, people that wasn't paying attention anyway. It's not, it's not necessary because it's not about making as much money as possible. It's about affecting as many people as you possibly can and achieving that critical acclaim. And that's one thing that I heard from uh, Quest Love that I always loved. He said, well, the roots, we may have never got this big accolade, this big accolade, but we always had critical acclaim. So we always were working and that landed them all the way to TV. Now they on TV every day, you know? So in that sense, their hard work actually paid off and they didn't have to compromise what they were doing in order to achieve a monumental success within the genre. Um, so that's why independent means something to me because 10 years, 20 years, or however far down the line when I might not be as active, at least my kids can say, hey, my dad did something that I'm really proud of, as opposed to cringing on records that dad did. You know what I'm saying? Cringing and not really proud of the legacy that I left behind. So um, that's why being independent is important so that I can retain 
all of my attributes of my art um, that I can keep my freedom um, as an artist and be able to say what I want to say and not have any di anyone dictate from a boardroom, hey, you shouldn't say this because this is going to offend this people. Or you shouldn't say this because we need everybody's money. You know what I mean? Because then it's not genuine. It's just, it's McDonald's. Yeah, that's well said. Uh, one, one of your uh, most famous albums, like which, uh, which is like, I mean, you, you, you have to explain to us how big the album is because, like, uh, I, I wasn't even able to get the numbers, but like, uh, it seems like it is, it has done like phenomenally well, like on YouTube, like it, it has like hundreds of thousands of views. Like, I think some songs even over a million. Uh, knowledge of self. Uh, uh, sorry, return to the golden age, return to the golden era. Um, and uh, I think like we're not going to play any tracks from that album particularly today. We're going to play a, um, another track from uh, Knowledge of Self. But uh, I want to talk about um, how you found uh, success and like basically use that as a sort of jumping off point to talk about how uh, in a kind of way this is actually an interesting return to the golden era, especially for independent art in the present day. Um, and how like commercial art, as much as like you're saying that like they're able to replicate success and like, you know, have this sort of formula going is not exactly working out for them in the in the way that you would imagine. And uh, by contrast, like independent artists are being rewarded in, in, in extremely uh, interesting ways in the present day. And there are so many avenues that are opening up. So can you speak about your success and by extension, like talk about all the interesting ways by which independent artists are like uh, fi finding a way back into the spotlight and like having a resurgence. So with, with Golden Era, um, that, that album was never intended to be sold. Um, that album, we just gave it away. We put it out on Bandcamp first as pay what you want. We didn't charge anybody for it. We made a little write-up, a mini website, and we just put it online. And um, immediately, it just caught hold um, just through being us being early adopters of Bandcamp. And, um, you know, just some of the people that we knew, it spread faster than we anticipated. Um, so all of the monetizing of that record came after it was released because we saw opportunity. Um, for me, that was a comeback record. I hadn't dropped the record in a couple of years. I met Phonics. He reached out um, via email. And um, with the beats that he sent me, I just started recording. I finished the recording of that record in about two weeks. It was online. And um, again, we never intended to make money. It just so happened because his idea, and this is him coming from a different generation because than me because I'm 10 years older than him. His idea was that if we charge, not a lot of people are going to listen to it. And I agreed. I say you're right, because they could go on streaming platforms that they're already paying for and listen to the record. Why charge for something that they can get relatively for free anyway? It made no sense to me. So we put it out and lo and behold, he was right on um, my instincts were correct. And we were able to monetize and grow that album to great success. Um, even though the numbers don't reflect the commercial success, I'm still working because of that record. You, you know what I mean? Like, I'm still working. We've pressed that record, I think, three or four times already. Um, and again, we never intended to make any money off of it. We just wanted to make a piece of art 
in the vein of uh, mad villainy, you know, in the vein of a donuts. Um, we were just doing our best version of Stone's Throw um, with an East Coast point of view, real East Coast perspective. You know what I'm saying? And um, it worked. It just it just happened to work. You know, we believed and, um, you know, the people came through for us and they showed us a lot of love. And we'll actually be celebrating the 10th anniversary of that album next year. So, um, you know, we got 50 years of hip hop, 10 years of return to the golden era. And um, I'm ecstatic about that, man. Like a lot of guys don't last a decade. And here I am. <laughs> so, um, I'm, um, you know, it's just blessings on blessings. But I just think that meeting the people where they were, as opposed to imposing our will onto them, was what gave us the ability to have such great success. Um, not entering into the lane with an ego, you know, about the art, just letting it go and um, letting the universe have its will with, with what we put out there. And uh, it, it just it really resonated. And I'm, I'm so thankful. And um, speaking of Golden Era, uh, soon as Allah, peace to the God, was one of the first, very first journalists, like a real journalist, a real writer that reached out and interviewed us based off of that record. And, um, you know, he went on to do the forward for Knowledge Yourself. And, you know, I'm forever in debt to that brother because his co-sign and him shining light on it also made other people check for us. So, you know, that in itself was another thing that I never forget. And it really helped. And, you know, through Sunez, I've still, you know, people still reach out like Napoleon the Legend. You know what I'm saying? So I've done work with him and it's all, you know, coming back. So, I, again, we come up together, you know what I'm saying? And that's why it's, it's important for us to retain community. And I, I've got a question. It kind of just taking it kind of like more of a, a, a political economy that's going on in the world today. Um, because, uh, you know, you know, inflation, you know, times are getting a little tough. Wages have been steady for 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 decades. Everything's getting more expensive. Um, how you know? I guess how, how are you? Or you know, is that is that you know worrying you? Is that you know maybe change up anything? Or um, you know, I guess too is like does does this kind of building in your, your you know this community where people are kind of be you know throwing you a few dollars here and there per month? You know. Uh, do you think that kind of like helps you kind of just sustain, you know, to keep what you're doing? Um, you know, in the same way you said, like, you know, that record, that, uh, Return of the Gold Area, it's like you're still allowing you to make music independently. Um, yeah, any fears as far as like the world and how it's coming up uh, and, and you still being able to make music? Uh, nah, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm working harder. That's it. That's my only pivot. I'm just working harder. Um, I think I'm making the best music that I ever made. I'm writing the best things that I've ever written. I'm challenging myself. Um, you know, I'm appropriating uh, some of the, 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 the new lingo in terms of um, stylistic styles, but doing it from my perspective. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sharp as a sword. I'm, I'm good, man. I'm, you know, and I'm not going to deliver any first world problems because... I'm not struggling like somebody else, so you know I can't really. I'm I'm straight, man. Like this is gonna get better eventually. We're just gonna have to 
fight through it and be accountable. But what I would say to everyone out there from just a, a holistic political lens, right? Here's where we are. We at a place where we've been so privileged throughout throughout the past, you know, I would say 35 years as a, as a country, you know, accelerations in technology, um, nobody's really starving. Sure, there's a lot of political unrest, a lot of things going on, but people have been really comfortable. And that level of comfort takes away every ounce of gratitude. Now you have a generation without any gratitude, you know, and why is that? No grit. Why is that? Because the the parents, the, the people that precede them, you know what I'm saying, in life, those people sacrifices have made it better for each generation but in turn our problems are because we doing one thing we not leaving the earth the way we came into it you see what i'm saying so all of these problems are based off what we are doing as a society you know what i'm saying like we might be struggling but what about the guy who made you know our washing machine you know what i'm saying or the guy who was at the factory putting the chips together in the phone that we using, you know what I'm saying? His problems is way worse than what we going through. We, we talking about high gas and high food, but guess what we still doing? We still buying it, you know what I'm saying? Imagine all of those people that don't have access to none of the things this giant America has access to. We literally, you know what I mean? So I don't, I don't even trip because I know that the right people will figure it out. We'll figure it out. We'll get a way out of it. Um, I don't see it tanking because it's too much at stake. Um, but I do think it's going to be a rough road and people going to get humbled. You know what I'm saying? People going to have to wait for things. Nobody want to wait for things no more. I was just telling my kids, it wasn't no Capri Suns. When the Kool-Aid was gone, you had to wait for moms to go to the store. And she was like, well, if you thirsty, there's water. You know what I'm saying? She wasn't going to get up and running just to go get some Kool-Aid. Now they got juice boxes. They got out of water, all this organic stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like that they have endless access to. I know my kids have it all. Like, you know what I mean? So it's like we we just real comfortable. And that that comfort really makes us forget one valuable thing, which is gratitude. You know what I mean? You know, like I'm old enough to remember not using a microwave. Now... The world wants everything in 30 seconds or less. You see what I'm saying? Like, it got to happen now. I remember going to a library, not having the internet, not having infinite wisdom at my fingertips without understanding. You see what I'm saying? Like, like it, it's, 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 it's nothing here because, you know, it's, it's like everybody is at this phase of wisdom, but they haven't reached the next level of understanding. So if you can't understand anything, you have no culture. This culture that we living in is homogenous, it's man-made, it's consumerism, it's consumption with no gratitude. So again, I can't really complain about anything. I'm living, I'm breathing, I have nothing but opportunity. You know what I'm saying? It's gonna get right because we're gonna work hard, we're gonna make it happen. The minute that we forget that one word, gratitude, we can't, we can't have a real way of life because the lack of gratitude is a lack of accountability. You know what I'm saying? So that's how that's how I take everything that's going on right now. You know what I mean? We put them there. We voted for them. You know what I'm saying? Like, seriously. 
seriously, we, we voted or lack of voted for the last one and the one before that. You know what I mean? We can't complain if we're really not doing nothing collectively. Whether you leftist or on the right, nobody's really doing anything. You know what I'm saying? Because everybody's so comfortable. Well, I feel like the right is doing some stuff, uh, and I feel like <laughs> the left needs to get their ass in gear and uh, you know start getting people in housing and and and, and getting people fed. But uh, there's also you know something you talk about really is like uh, that. You like when you tell you about gratitude and you know like a lack of accountability. You know, it's like something's like it's, it's like just like a real understanding because you talk about people that like real work workers you know um everything that you look at you know there's there should be a semblance of gratitude um because yeah you got somebody on the other end that's really making this shit that uh but and 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 i guess too is like that's like i guess my my concern is does that can't does that carry over for artists you know and um and when, yeah especially when times get a little bit tough you know um does that still like recognition? Does that gratitude for the art, you know, does that continue on when, you know, pockets get tight? Um, but, uh, it, it, it does. Yeah. It does, man. It, it really does. Because remember, always remember, this is a way of life. We would do this Word. for free. You see what I'm saying? Word. We would yeah. do this for free. You know what I mean? Well, I, so, yeah. That's what's <laughs> great about, you know, when you talk about, uh, the, uh, return of the golden era, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You do that shit for free. Yeah, and like, I still put all my music out as a pay-what-you-want, you know, on the digital platform. Most people now, they have access to a, fleet, a free way to stream, whether they go into YouTube, which is, which is really free streaming. YouTube is no longer a short-form video platform. People go to YouTube for long-form videos, information, and they use it as a streaming platform for free. You know what I mean? It's the world's free library, YouTube, for art. So, yes, everybody has access to my music. I'm not flagging people. I'm not one of them guys like, yo, take that down. I'm not, I'm not that guy, you know what I mean? Because I want it out there. Um, I got millions of views on other people's pages. I don't really care. You know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't matter to me because of the reach. You see what I'm saying? Regardless, you know what I mean? Like, if I had 100% control over everything... I can have 100% control over nothing if nobody hears it. You know what I'm saying? So I'm cool with just it being out there because I spent most of my life chasing this dream for free. For free. Like not even expecting to make a red cent because it's just who I am. So the art will go on. Um, you know, everybody was going crazy around Y2K with the Napster, the LimeWire and all the digital stuff happening and the industry was collapsing. All hell was breaking loose. Guess what? Doom and Mad Lib leaked their own album. The demo was online. Mad Villain, like we heard it. We heard him in a different octave. They came back and he he did it less aggressive. You know what I'm saying? Rest in peace to the villain. You know what I mean? Like, again, they found a way. They embraced it. And these is dudes that had to embrace it from the nature of the way they do music. So I'm in that same light. You know, my music is sample based. So I kind of want to fly under the radar because that's just the way that I do this. I'm, we're going to sample. 
We're going to go digging. We're going to pick up records. We're going to find the best loops. We're going to do all of that because that is the essence of this. And um, based on that, the fact that I don't like to get sued, even though it happens, shouts out to whosample.com for putting out the, you know, <laughs> putting that out there for them. Hope y'all listening. Anyway, you know, I don't want to get sued. So I'm happy with flying under the radar and it, they, and it being like this and kind of figuring out this new unconventional way of getting art out to the people. Um, and I think that artists are going to find their way through this and be able to navigate in different ways. Now the kids is doing merch. They doing signups to where they having these drops that are invite only. You know, you got to have your email address. So now people are kind of going lo-fi and low-tech with the way that they communicate with people, which builds um, a better rapport with your audience and your customers and everything. So the young ones are figuring out a way. You know, you know who, who not figuring out a way? Those who have been so comfortable for so long. That they like, oh my God, the world is ending. It's it's not it's not the same. And I just think that we have to be prepared for more rapid change. You know what I'm saying? Because we have so much more access again. This is the this is the generation of infinite wisdom with no understanding. So they're giving you all of the information, but you haven't had time to digest and comprehend it. So you can't really apply that information to real life. You know what I mean? Like I ask my kids a question, they go to Google, but and they'll give me the answer, but they don't they can't comprehend. You see what I'm saying? Because they haven't done the deep dive. And that's that's where we are. You know, we're in the world of talking points, um, sound bites and, and, and incomplete stories. It's no longer who, what, when, where and why. That's how I was told to write a story or do a book report and everything. We no longer there. We, we, we have fragmented information. So um, those that have the understanding and those youngins that are applying the skill set to, to, to this, they're going to adapt and we're going to be good. And um, true artists, again, they're going to do it for free. They're going to barter. They're going to do it for a variety of ways and still make it come together. So I think that this thing keeps going no matter what happens. The only thing that stops anything is, you know, disaster. But we're not there yet. So um, we're going to keep riding till the wheels fall off. Uh, one of the things that you, in, in talking about gratitude especially, uh, brought up uh, is, uh, you know, being born and raised in, uh, in Amer- and living in America. Um, and I think, like, this is where uh, it's, also, it's also important to talk about you as an artist, as an international artist, because, like, a lot of your uh, initial success and your following, and even the, even the guy who made the, the documentary, Underdogs, uh, phenomenal documentary, I think, like, uh, it's almost like a roadmap uh, of uh, how you reached where you are uh, right now. And I think this director, uh, I forget his name, but uh, did a fantastic job, uh, you know, capturing the essence of your music and also the 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 core of your struggle um but like basically your um success story has a trajectory that goes through europe and and a lot of international uh presence and travel and touring and stuff like that and uh how much first of all like uh talk about uh you know you finding success abroad um and then like kind of bring that success back home in a way um and second of all like how has uh travel abroad and like being uh, having more of an international presence and like you know going to all of these places and seeing all of the 
the way things are done in other countries uh, given you a sense of a, a, a different perspective on uh, you know how things are in the United States okay great great um it's funny you brought it up because um I actually just spoke to him today uh, the director is Theo Frank uh, we spoke probably an hour just talking about life today it's like my little brother man I love him to death he's a great guy man and um you know if I'm really being completely honest with you about the international success and everything I must say that I'm a pure hipster um sneakers brought me all over the world I love sneakers I've um followed and been doing this since I was a kid and um you start to find stores and different things in different cities abroad and you just dream of going there in person. And um, Europe was ahead of the curve only by a few years on this resurgence of um, nostalgic and more underground hip hop having a second leg. So the first leg I would say of the resurgence was Fondulum Records, you know, like 1999, that, that type of Y2K thing, early MF. Um, Bobito, you know what I'm saying? That that type of deal there. The second wave would be in the 2010s, that generation. I'm coming from that 2010s generation, you know what I mean? Of the artists that reached um, a different level or different, um, you know, countries and things like that. So coming from that 2010s generation, now plane tickets are a lot cheaper. We have more access. We have social media. So we're more aware of where our following is. We had analytics. So I was able to just connect the dots of where people were listening. And I said, I need to go to these places because this is where we are popping. And um, also, it would be a great chance to pick up some sneakers. So, you know, we went to the um, cities where I just wanted to go, you know, like um, Paris with Calais. And opium, um, Berlin with Overkill, Soulbox, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and um, spots like that, like Switzerland with Tidolo, you know, sneaker shops and all of that, Zurich. So that's kind of how we did that. It was like, yo, these are the cities where I'm, I'm online and I'm looking and I'm like, yo, the colorways they got over there is a little different than what we have. It'll be great to go to, to find some unique things. And um, I, had some, I, I pay, was able to pick up trophies along the way and um, experience the people and fall in love with um, a, a, a culture that was like, for me, it, it was almost like trapped in time, going through these cities that are really old and, you know, but at the same time, they have new buildings and new structures, but they just kept the, the, the age there and it's graffiti everywhere in Europe. You know, like the culture is just pure out there. And, um, you know, a lot of people think like, why y'all going over there, you know, to Europe? Why? Because Europe is changing demographically. Um, you know, you have a huge influx of, um, you know, Africans and, and African-Americans and all types of people of color in Europe in these big cities. And they look like New York did in the 80s and um, early 90s. And I'm just like, wow, I was I was mind blown. And the embrace that we were able to get was also incredible. Another thing that people don't think is just pure geography. So the United States of America is extremely vast, extremely big. Our states are the size of countries in Europe. You know what I mean? So if I go do a show in Paris, people from all over France will come. So I'm able to sell out a show in Paris. But if I do a show in L.A., you know what I mean? 
people from another city might not drive all the way to L.A. That's that's going to be a hike. You know what I'm saying? Like, so it's 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 just it's just so different. You know what I mean? It costs me just as much to go to L.A. that it would cost me to go to London and sell out a show. You see what I'm saying? So just the sheer geography of the United States makes it very difficult and unattractive for independent artists to navigate. Whereas in Europe, we can cover so much ground in so little time and be so much more successful just because of the compact nature of the countries and more like states in their train system linking all of these different cities together and the fact that they have the eurozone where there's no visas that are required to just travel between these different countries so it makes it very appealing when you don't have a bunch of money to go tour over there because just the geography and the infrastructure allows for um, more access to more people more venues and everything you know like you could go I did we did like six countries in like five days you know what i'm saying that's 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 unheard of you know like imagine trying to do six states in five days in america one of your flights gonna be canceled you ain't gonna make it you know what i'm saying like it just it just wouldn't work so um i think that's also a, a important factor to consider for the artists out there that are kind of trying to get their weight up and think about it you know that's why you have so many regional artists in america because, you know, you could travel the whole Northeast and be popping in the Northeast. You could be out in L.A. And L.A. is like a whole L.A. County is like a state it's, itself. It's like the size of Rhode Island or something. You could be popping in L.A. and never have to leave L.A. You know what I mean? So um, it, same thing with Texas, certain regions in Texas. So everybody has their region in, in America. And um after a while, it gets boring. Once you dominate your region, you want to go see other things and just a nationwide tour. I mean, we got 50, it's 50 states. Like, that's crazy, you know, to try to do that as an independent artist. You, it just would be extremely difficult to just, um, you know, it's just hard to get people to come together. And I think that all independent artists could attest to that, to walking in shows and not being able to max out on tickets or anything without actual backing and the promoter doing all of the legwork for you. You know, and that's something that's like we've heard quite a bit of, uh, there's a few different uh, people you know talking and saying like going to, to Europe makes things a whole lot easier and I think you point to a lot of the reasons why of like just, you know, the size of the United States versus the size of these other countries, but also like the infrastructure, you know, um, especially, I mean, like you could get in like what, uh, New Hampshire, Vermont, Maine, Connecticut, you know, and Massachusetts. Yeah, you hit all those. Only one of those has a real market, you know, Boston, that you can really make money off of. Uh, um, but, um, yeah, I do want to bring in, oh, and I was going to bring in that caller. <laughs> so, Angie, I don't know if you want to come back in. Um, but uh, no, and, that's, and 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 also too, when you talk about like um, the fact that you can go around like the eurozone and, and just go to a bunch of different countries, and you don't have to do all the paperwork and everything like that. I mean, even if you were on the border um, with like Canada or Mexico or stuff like that, it might be even like a whole lot more difficult uh, than you than you can do things in Europe. Exactly, uh -huh. exactly, and um, you know, it's just like I said, it's a different experience. Um, it's, it's, it's a lot, it's a lot easier 
on the wallet and um it's welcoming and i think that all indie artists um should take that trek at least once in life to um just see what it's like and to get a, a perspective of what hip-hop could be in america with the proper backing for the type of music that we do because while europe is not just this purest haven they have mainstream music and they have european artists that are like huge you know what i mean like um but it's different for example one thing that i found out that was really unique is the second largest market for hip-hop in the world is france yeah yep the united states and then france think about that the second largest market for a country that's you know the size of one of our states literally our large state like texas but still that's insane you know that it's the second largest consumer of hip-hop in the world that shows you how much they love what we do and um you know their timeline of hip-hop is like almost in line with us you know what i mean like respectively like maybe their their timeline begins in 1983 84 where ours is 10 years you know earlier but still it's it's in line and they've had a really you know a lot of success from their big artists over there too so that's another thing and then when you look at the uk with the way they they're taking grime and and you know they have these these crazy insane huge artists like skepta and stormzy you know what i mean doing their thing and um it reminds me a lot of what it is to be you know what it was like for new york artists back in the days where you from new york but your parents are from another country you see what i'm saying so another reason why i was always comfortable with traveling is my father is from barbados my father is an immigrant he's not american you know what i mean i've always had the whole side of my family that didn't speak like didn't cook like didn't just just wasn't american so i've always you know i've been to barbados i've always left the country you know what i'm saying so it was like i knew that there was another world out there and i didn't have a form of american exceptionalism um in my in my body because living in new york and having a family of immigrants was something you know that was always there for me my uncle you know married to my aunt is from puerto rico born in puerto rico raised in the united states but you know spending my life around him and his family and you know it's the same you know i'm going to my grandmother's house and eat rice and beans i'm going to my uncle's grandmother's house and eating rice and beans you know what i'm saying like so it, it i was always kind of cool with people from different cultures just because of new york again the, the proximity to all of these things and all of these different people and you know going in certain sections of the city hearing people speak different languages so going international was never a thing that i wasn't comfortable with um because i was always in an international place you know coming up it, it became it was normalized for me um again once again uh angie if you want to come back in the call uh, uh you know to to talk to us uh, please feel free uh but uh i also thought uh, this would be a decent time to play uh the second track that i wanted to play which is um profit of our pain 
and i think that like this is the song that got me really you know like a good sense of your politics and also your approach to the industry and uh speaking of nostalgia one of the things that uh the industry seems to be disproportionately ex- exploiting right now is a nostalgia for a more revolutionary period uh that seems to be the reason why there are a lot of like movies and like artifacts and uh, uh even albums where like people are like essentially giving a a kind of very aesthetic uh detached from reality sort of fantasy like throwback to uh revolutionary periods including the black panthers and that's kind of what is like uh, in fact even prompted us to start this show uh so let's hear this track and kind of give us a little bit of your thought process behind it and like what do you think of this approach of uh, the industry uh kind of profiting off your pain as you say in this song so let's hear this song for a second you want to profit off my pain because i'm worth more than you with a syringe in my vein i'm worth even more with a bullet in my brain how come you gain more fame on that day you lay slain for your downfall they all pray i go back to what it was big was saying he won't plan they still collect bread from cobain they feed you pussy and cocaine hoping you ain't sane the first thing they give you is a chain for them sink cabbage arrange marriage and slave to the fame quick the label you icon and put you on the merch the same way but i did homies on our shirts i know this first it's filled with a litany of jewels but i'm trying to reach a million or more this is school these days the one who died young live with cool but that is a mantra that is only made for fools they want to profit off my pain they want to profit off my pain profit off my pain. By the time I was eight, I was truly awake. Gained knowledge itself, began to understand the hate. Discovered my ancestors were slaves and wonder why. To the image of their masters, they prayed, but never mind. Cause I also wonder why my brothers poisoned the community. Not knowing that prior statement would be including me. Communicated musically, God gave the fruit to me. My tongue is my sword and I chop it up. It devalues my struggle for these bulletproof wallets Still paying for college And so I pay homage to all the coin chasers Ready to break bread for knowledge Flow polish, more brolic That's worth the crisp wallets plus two pockets Bringing in them big dollars post-humans They drop folk music and break bread While the family in pain because they, they ain't fed They wanna profit off my pain They wanna profit off my pain So yeah, everyone, take it away. Oh, thank you, thank you for playing that, man. Um, you know that that record was just made as as a um homage to those that we lost for one, and you know those that are still their image and their legacy and their likeness is still being made money off. You know, people still making money off it, not necessarily their family or their estate. So it was it was about that, but it was also about the fact that people think that gangster rap is the glorification of crime and the glorification of street life, but it's actually it's actually soul music for street people. It's actually soul music of those young men that were only taught to survive, that don't know how to articulate themselves 
in the mode of emotional intelligence. You see what I'm saying? Because as a black man in the United States of America, um, survival is our trait. That's what we taught. We taught to survive, you know, as a man of color, you know what I mean, from certain communities. Um, survival is what you want to do because many can attest to the fact that they lost so many friends at such young ages because America, unfortunately, is a violent country because it was born out of violence. So, you know, what you're born out of is what you become. You know what I'm saying? So we are a warlike people, a violent people. And even in our music, in our entertainment, the things that we look at for entertainment value, it's all violence. And somebody's making money off of the sale and the imagery of violence. You know what I mean? I don't care if it's the Terminator or if it's, you know, a, a Marvel movie and, yeah, the good guys are winning. Somebody is making money off of violence and, and, and you know, showcasing uh, the, this violent imagery. And it's the same in music. So, you know, I was taught never to shoot the messenger. So instead of, you know, blaming these young men and women who don't have, you know, uh, the emotional intelligence to understand that the words that they're using can be at a detriment to um, those that are younger, uh, let's not shoot the messages. Let's let's hold the record labels and the executives accountable that understand, that have an understanding, that know that, hey, while this is toxic, this is what they want to hear. So if it works, you know, let's push this. Let's capitalize off this arrest of this artist. You know, you see, it's funny how rapper comes home from jail. He's like celebrated. He making so much money. You know, coming home to a wealth of money. I mean, Gucci man, you know what I'm saying? Salute to, salute to Gucci. Came home transformed. Million dollar smile, new body, everything on top of the world. Making more money than he made before he was locked up. Like, this is what we celebrate. This is what's rewarded. You see what I'm saying? In America. Because America loves rooting for the villains. So I just put it out there to showcase that it's not the artist. It's not the messenger. You know what I mean? It's the system. You see what I'm saying? And, and that's what that song is about. Just calling out the system that, that keeps the cycle going within our genre of music. Yeah, no, and I think that's like, um, it's like a very good point to it. Like you make it of like, what is gangster rap, you know, um, and... And also, and like, although it's like, I guess, like, the one thing too, I guess, frustrating is like, it gets to a point where it is just like mocked and parodied, you know, where like they, you know, where, where corporations and, and labels could just say like, it literally doesn't matter. We just got, you know, some some kid <laughs> that can that can rap the lyrics that we got written down, and it, you know, no longer even becomes an expression of of what's going on in the world. Um, but, uh, I do, I want to give, uh, a, and they'll say like a shout out to CBS too, cause, um, I actually go back to the out or to the episode, uh, that, uh, he was on with us <laughs> to, to keep writing down like, oh yeah, you mentioned this, this group and this rapper and, and, and uh, this artist and stuff like that. So, um, students, if you got anything and you want to come in and say, you know, more than welcome, but also callers, if you want to ask a one any questions. Um, we're probably going to be wrapping here in the next few minutes. 
but before we do, <laughs> I guess and we'll see if anybody wants to call in. Um, a one, what do you got coming up? Is you know, I mean, like you're talking about traveling, and I know that traveling in the United States is horrible right now. Um, but uh, yeah, do you got anything? You know, any shows that you're doing for the summer? Um, trying to get out and about, or you know, or is everything still on lockdown, pretty much? No, it's not that I'm on lockdown or anything. I'm just in a great space, so I'm creating. Um, it's a, I have a flurry of new music that's going to come out. Um, I've been working extremely hard. So um, starting July the 28th, there'll be a single um, on July the 28th, on August the 5th, on August the 12th, and August the 19th, followed by EP in September, then my album, um, with Soul Dope 95 called uh, Infinite uh, Wisdom, you know what I mean? And um, that's what I got going on. I'm working with Confidence and Jay Ferrer. I'm working with um, DJ Parental out of Paris. I'm working with High John out of Berlin. And um working on some songs with Deflow, uh, working on uh, music with my wife. Um, and I'm working with... Um, a producer by the name of Seb Zimler, 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 and excuse me, and uh, Georgie Speakman on uh, um, the EP I spoke of. It's seven part three. So I've got a lot of work um, that's going to come out because I'm in the in the frame of mind of flooding the zone in micro doses as opposed to putting out um, immense bodies of work at one time because the, we can't compete with the news cycle and now social media entertainment everything is homogenous so you know you can't compete with the shade room man you know what i'm saying kendrick lamar dropped a, a massive record and um you know over our content nobody's talking about it anymore you know what i'm saying so that's where we at and um unfortunately i think that microdosing is the new way to uh get um messages out there have people sit with it um absorb it and, um, you know, then they, they ready to move on to the next thing. So um, I'm protecting my art in that way by just hitting you, hitting you, hitting you in that in, with a, a steady stream as opposed to a body of work. And then I go dormant. You know what I mean? So um, that's mainly what I'm focused on for the next few months to ride the rest of the year out. And we're going to start off next year celebrating 50 years of hip hop by touring, um, you know, all over the world. That's the plan. Um that's the plan that the label has and that our booking agent and everybody has is to ride this 50 years of hip hop and um, celebrate 10 years of golden era, 15 years of marriage, the tip the gift, you know what I'm saying? Just Word. that's how we're going to celebrate, you know, just let this work speaks for itself and then do the shows after the work is out there. That's up. All right. Uh, Ian, we'll bring you in. Uh, the mute button is in the bottom right. Uh, what's Hello. up, Ian? Hello, 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 hello. Hey, what's up? Thanks. Thanks, guys. Um, yeah, I just, I sort of stumbled in towards the end here. Uh, A1, I heard some, some of your music, uh, a long time ago, man. So I, I always remember your name. Just, uh, some good hip hop, man. So, but, um, I want to ask you though, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a musician as well and I've been doing, you know, independent DIY stuff for a long time. And so I'm with a band right now. I'm trying to get more serious about it. So I'm curious, like, what's your advice for, you know, how do you make a sustainable income as a recording artist? Like, even aside from touring, like, 
what would you do to, to get recordings out there to, to get some income coming in? And uh, how do you feel about platforms like Spotify and YouTube? Like, what what's your thoughts on that? Uh, Awan, before before you answer, I gotta say, Ian, you asked the person. Okay, this is the person to answer this question. Awan, take it away. Um, yeah, man, uh, I think that it's it's possible. You just have to get past goal and um, put your music out there. And I think that it always serves you best to be in all stores as opposed to just choosing one platform. Um, you want to be everywhere. You want your music to be ubiquitous. Um, study up on your deep links and a way to cross all your T's and dot all your I's. Just do it the way that you want to do it, but don't skip any steps. Make sure that your message is complete, your profiles are complete, and that they're cohesive on every across every platform. Don't have like 50 different profile pics, man, or, you know what I'm saying, on every aspect of social media because people get lost in that. And I think that a lot of people don't even think that if somebody's looking for you, it needs to be the same picture everywhere so they know that it's you. Because chances are there's like a thousand A1s out there. <laughs> you know right. what I'm saying? So um, I think that that's how independent artists get lost is that they don't focus on um, building a foundation for their own identity and likeness. Um, the music is, is the music is there, you know what I mean? People either gonna like your music or not, but they actually need to know who you are. So first focus on making sure they know who you are and what you do and that who, what, where, when, why. And um, you know, be ubiquitous, put it out on every platform. Um, there's a ton of digital distributors, but also know that you have to pay dues and do shows and you're going to work for free first. Um, it, nothing comes easy. And um, when there's a will, there's a way. And um, also don't pivot. Don't stay. Don't stray away from what you see your path as being, um, because taking career advice from a thousand people, you're going to go in a thousand different directions because everybody has a different perspective on what your situation should look like. So um, stick to your perspective, but just make sure that you're doing it the right way and that you're everywhere and that your grandma can find you online. If grandma can't find you, you're doing something wrong. You know, okay. she's the person that you have to show how to get on. It, it, once she's able to find you online, then you know that, oh, man, I'm out there, you know, because it's easy to find me because grandma is able to just pull me up online. You know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, that's how that's the measuring stick for are you getting the visibility that you need for people to at least find your music? Because that's that's the most important part. And then the second part that I would say is very important is just make sure that your um, data, your metadata, all of the information that's tied to your records is right and exact. Um, a lot of times people upload music and it's incomplete. The producer's not listed. The lyrics are not there. Um, you know, there's no information about the album. People just drop music and nobody knows anything about it. And um, that, that works against you. It doesn't work for you. 
um, mystery works with established people. They could just drop an album and people are going to find it. But people that are not established, they need to put basically a whole press release and, and make sure that everybody's reading about them. Every post needs to be a bio about who you are and what you're trying to do. And I think that you'll start to grow your fan base one by one and just stick to it. It takes time, but it, it's possible. It can get done. You know, it's like some of the important things that you talk about too is like, irrespective of popularity, you know, these are things that like any artist can do, whether you got one fan or you got a million fans. Um, and, and <laughs> that's almost like aside from Awan being a dope hip hop artist, like when it comes to the, the platforms, like there's a reason why. They won't get it's it, it's I guess there's more of a reason why you know there's a lot of dope artists out there that get that no one hears them they you know and like Awan says they're just making music putting it out and no one's hearing it um and so yeah putting in that little extra work to make sure your shit's right it's it's the it's the 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 nerd shit but that's it's it's really important to make sure yeah your stuff is be able to just be found so you have yeah, any questions Ian? Well, I guess I'm just curious, like, uh, you know, I, I think that's really good advice to be on all platforms. And I guess the reason I asked that is because I, I, I feel like there's ethical issues with people like Spotify. I, I kind of have uh, I don't like what they've done to the music industry and I don't want to feed myself into that machine. You know what I mean? Like, do you ever think about it in those terms? Um. Nope, because there's ethical issues with all companies. Chances are you shop at Target or Walmart or places like that, and they all support the private prison industry and prison labor. So America is unethical in it, in it, in its in, in itself. You know what I mean? It's no escaping um, the nature of the beast because th- we are living in the beast. This is Babylon, so you cannot escape that. Um, you can take a stand which i respect and there are ways to reach people like with bandcamp bandcamp is a great platform it's community based and you can actually talk to people through the comments you can message your audience you can really build an audience directly on that platform alone um it's one of the biggest blessings that i ever had and to be quite honest i've made more money on bandcamp than any other platform out there. And I don't necessarily sell digital music on Bandcamp. All the digital music is pay what you want. Um, you see what I'm saying? So once you get people there, they're more inclined to be able to say, hey, I'll buy your vinyl, I'll buy your t-shirt, I'll buy your CD. I've already sampled your music and listened to your music and I love it and I want to support you in some type of way. So I think that for artists like yourself that has some ethical issues with the industry, Bandcamp is the perfect place. But as you grow and as you, you know, mature in your career as far as, you know, being the artist that you want to be, not as a person because you, you're adult, you mature. But I'm talking about as an artist, as you get and raise your levels, you're going to find yourself faced with so many ethical challenges that you're going to understand that sometimes it's not worth it. And you can protest through your music 
because you have the freedom of speech. You have a voice and you can bash these platforms. You can, you know, talk about how, you know, detrimental they are to artists. But again, it's shooting the messenger because it's not Spotify's the technology. And that technology was invented by Sean Parker. You know what I'm saying? Through Napster. So that that file sharing, that whole idea I mean, when you look at iTunes, when you look at Spotify, when you look at every platform, the the, the algorithm, the, the whole application is based off of his technology. And, um, you know, sometimes technology is like Einstein. He never intended his technology to, to, to be used in the way that it was used. You know what I mean? But it was because somebody else that's greedy with money say, hey. You know what we can do with this? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, um, you know, that's how I view everything. And um, it's it's important to uh, maintain that lens. But um, I totally respect, you know, your your um, stance on Spotify because they do have some issues and they need to, to correct some things. But I don't think that any artist is completely reliant on any one p- platform solely. So, um, you know, I think that a good start would be Bandcamp and then maybe when you're comfortable or when you do a little bit more research or you get to a place where you need to grow, then, you know, you can move over into the uh, other platforms like Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, so forth and so on. And even with your distributor, if you just don't want to be on Spotify, you can also block them out. You don't have to distribute to them. Thank you, man. That's that's good advice, and I, I appreciate the reminder. It's, yeah, all, all of America is corrupt. It's just, yeah, we're swimming in it. So, yeah, I, <laughs> I appreciate the, the perspective. Thank you. You're welcome, man. And, Thank you. And that's something that's like any content creator, you know, like we, we use Twitch, YouTube, you know, if I had to, if, if I had to choose a better platform, I would. But there's no, you know, there's no choice. There's only one way to get the message out. Um, and <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. You protest through the message, and like we definitely, we definitely do. Um, but uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I think it's, I think it's like great advice, right? Like uh, that you use the use the art to actually do the protesting and not the boycotting uh to protest or anything like that i think that's like a pretty sound advice and i i I've, quite honestly i mean like you don't hear that often and i thank you i want for saying that uh you have you have the power you have the ability as an artist to actually put your stuff on the platform that you're shitting on and shit on the platform and like as much as you can and you know see if they take you off then they then you have even even a stronger case against them yeah, you kind of, you, or you were kind of cutting in and out, but I think we got the gist of like saying it's like, yeah, I I, I think the A one is like something that's been hitting on is that the art's going to speak for itself. You know, um, if <laughs> if it's good music, people will, will respect it and 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 will show gratitude for it. Um, you know, but they got to be able to find it first. You know, so. Uh, that's, that's always a difficulty. And I think nowadays with like some of these other platforms, it makes it ability where you don't necessarily have to sell your soul, um, completely in order to make a living off of music. Uh, maybe you just got to sell your soul a little bit. Um, but it, in, in a way that is like doable. Yeah. Just a little bit at a time. 
<laughs> no, that's no, that's okay though, because I do shop at Target, and it is like, man, when I drive into this shopping compound, yeah, it's like it takes something out of you. It's weird. It is Babylon, but yeah, I guess you know it's it's a trade off. You know, if if you do want to get your music out there, then it then that's the trade. Yeah, so. and, and, and you know, don't don't always look at it as a trade off because um, it's more of the compromise because. In the capitalistic society, there's always going to be some sort of undercurrent um, of things that we don't like, that we find unethical. Um, you know, I'll give you an example. The way iPhones are made, you know, people protest, workers walk out of Foxconn. They don't like their um, conditions. But as creatives, an iPhone and a Mac are like, they're so important to us. They make it easy for us to get our message out there. And we could talk about these things. We can highlight those people's struggle that make these products for us. And they can't even afford to buy the product that they're making. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, and a lot of times we're blinded by that through American exceptionalism, through leaders that don't want to accept any form of accountability that, hey, globalization might have been okay, but I think we jumped the gun a little bit because, you know, now we're pressuring these countries that don't necessarily have their infrastructure or their shit together to make us things. And um, it's really putting them to a tempered point. I mean, you look at Sri Lanka, for example, you know what I mean? Look at what's going on there. You know, nobody really knew that they were having power outages or, you know, they don't have gas or, you know, they, they can't access money out of banks. That country is not in war. It's not Ukraine. You know what I'm saying? This is just a country that's fallen on hard times because of COVID and the mismanagement of their funds. And I guarantee you that Sri Lanka supplies a variety of things to multiple countries around the world. Period. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, when we, we think about these things, we have to understand that every country, every nation contributes and adds on to something in the planet. So... You know, we frustrated. Oh, man, they don't have this or we're running out of this. Well, it's because they might be having problems over there and they can't get it to us. You see what I'm saying? So, again, this this whole thing that we got going on here, our comfort is somebody else's pain. Our comfort is somebody else's misery. You see what I'm saying? Just like our trash is somebody else's treasure. You know what I mean? So, again, we have to always think that. It's nothing that we could do to be completely righteous just by being American at this point, because capitalism is just is, 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 I, I stand for it. I'm happy with making money, but it comes with a sacrifice. You know what I'm saying? And, um, you know, we vilify the, the, the gangsters and the dope dealers, but America, Americans and what we doing, we the biggest dope dealers on the planet. It's just that we're not selling crack or cocaine or any of those things. And, you know, that's a whole oh, different we, story. But yeah, we sell guns. That's what America does. We're yeah. the best at selling guns. Four right. billions. 
of guns. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So the things that we do as a nation and that make us comfortable as citizens and the freedoms that we have, someone else doesn't have it. And, um, you know, again, it goes back to what I was saying earlier in the call, if you don't remember about gratitude. So whatever you want to do, whatever your choice is about how you distribute or how you do it, it's your choice as an artist. That's your, your right. That's, you know, your freedom of speech. Just remember, though, that someone doesn't even have that particular right that might be providing some comfort to you. Yeah, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, because these are dark times, but that's uh, that's why I stick by the music. It's the only thing that makes me feel okay about living in the world, about you know being in this being in this circumstance. And yeah, because you think too much about it, drive you crazy, man. So yeah, yeah I appreciate that. No doubt, no doubt. Yeah, there might be a music. There might be a song in there somewhere. It's like one thing about music when it hits, you feel no pain. I don't know oh, if someone right. wrote that. I don't know if someone wrote that, but. <laughs> um, Somebody down in the trenches. (laughs) That's right. Um, But uh, thank you, Ian, for calling. Um, uh, I I think we're going to wrap here because I got to get going. Um, But uh, A1. Uh, Yeah, sorry. We're going to play off of the song, but, like, yeah, Marcus, finish your thought. Well, I was just going to say, A1, thank you again for for, uh, coming out and, and... dropping us all of the knowledge that you can, that you can uh that you can give us um and appreciate just all the work that you put in over you know 10 years uh to, to be able to do all this stuff so oh man it's the pleasure's all mine and i appreciate you gentlemen for having me on it's an honor um thank you for everybody who um t- tapped in and who's listening and listening to the conversation wish all of you well peace prosperity and good health man and this is uh, A1's most recent single off the cuff uh, with uh, Deflo. Am I correct? Yep. And and Phonix. So it's he- actually produced by the other guys. Shouts out to the other guys. Join Isaiah out of the other DMV. guys. Yeah, out of the DMV. Right. Shouts out to Virginia as well, man. Thank you. All right, here we go. Off the cuff from grimy like the 88 subway went on a crime spree in the 90s might check your timepiece cannon under the fleeces frosted out cheeses i'm in the game you on the bleachers the wedding ring the freezer diamonds are girl's best friend bring out the meter the difference between me and you i'm quick to tell them beat it or you shape up you might lose it it's your life you better choose it to be sued by the music project hallways got crazy acoustics hustlers gave me influence pain because i've been through it but the black don't crack i'm preserved by melanation that real hip-hop part two the defecation is afro samurai to be the best you beat the best i put your favorite rapper in the front lean and rest lean your chest with the covid breath flows be so in depth i regret it may fly your overheads of those in that still mellow in my tone in my zone the architect with a flow so real you can't say still mellow in my tone in my zone the architect with a flow so real you can't say still mellow in my tone in my zone the architect with a flow so real you can't